You're listening to Scattered by Anchored Baptist Church, where we work to reflect the diversity of Hermanus as we gather to hear the good news about the person and work of Jesus and as we scatter to share it. We hope that you enjoy. If you're like me, you distrust pastors. Just admit it. You distrust pastors, okay? If you don't, you haven't been paying close enough attention to what's going on around you in the world. And you might be wondering about me as well. Here's the truth. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. I have plans. I have plans for you even. In fact, I've been scheming for well over a year and a half now for this very day. Or maybe in the deep dark corners and the recesses of my mind and heart, it's been a lot longer. I mean, we sing songs about the law and the gospel. I shape our services around that law and the gospel. We talk about baptism as it pertains to law and gospel. How long has Wade been planning this? What is his evil scheme? Always, it's that bad news followed by the good news. Well, here's the summary of my devious plans. It has been to preach to you Paul's letter to the Galatians. (laughs) I've been so excited for this. As strange as it might sound, I've been excited for this. Ever since we started planting what was once Mountain View is now Anchored Baptist Church, I've been excited to preach Galatians, but I haven't done it yet. Why? So many reasons. So many reasons. First of all, uh, hold on, Wade. What do you mean you've been planning this for over a year and a half? Okay, let's rewind it for just a second. Let's rewind it for a second. Maybe you'll remember a while back, about a year and a little bit ago, we started working our way through the Ten Commandments. And what we wanted to do when we were reading the Ten Commandments together was we wanted to see... uh, First and foremost, where Christ was at for us in those ten words from God. But also, we wanted to see how those ten commandments were upheld throughout the entirety of our Bibles. And so, what we did was we looked at the book of Proverbs. And we saw how wisdom from God, but really, let's just say common sense, earthly wisdom as well, feeds into the truth about those Ten Commandments and the weight of the law that they bear down on your life. It's a good word. It's a good law. It should be keeping you in line. And then what we did was we turned over to the Gospels and to the epistles, the letters in the New Testament, and we looked at how Christ upholds them. And then we looked at how Paul and the other authors of the New Testament uphold those commands. But then also we looked at how Christ fulfilled those commands on your behalf. Not only that, but we looked at the book of James, which in many ways is a book of wisdom in the New Testament. And hence, a book of law in the New Testament in so many words. We also meditated on Ecclesiastes for about three too many weeks. Okay, maybe you didn't feel like that. Maybe you did. I don't know. But at the end of reading the Ecclesiastes about 20 times, I was exhausted. 
And I can't turn back to that book right now, okay? (laughs) It took a toll on me. It took me to a dark place. Because it was all about how our wisdom fails. It was all about how that law bears down on us and yet still doesn't give us any relief in this world. And then after 1 Timothy, uh, after studying that together, we turned over to the book of Exodus. And we looked at specifically the first 22 chapters of Exodus. And we looked at how God was working to free His people and how this was a pattern of how God frees His people from slavery throughout the whole course of the Bible. And yet we also saw at the Exodus that God's people were all too willing to run right back into the loving arms of slavery. Which brings us to the book of Galatians. A book that is all about law and freedom from the law. It's all about slavery to sin, self, and Satan, and freedom from it. So to get us started, I'm going to read for us the first five verses of the book of Galatians. And then we want to get into some details about it. Uh, I've already done too much teaching in the baptism class today, so I'm not going to get too deep into the weeds of the, the circumstances behind the book. I want us to fill out and fill in those blank spaces as we go along reading and studying together. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are here with me, to the churches of Galatia. Verse 3, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. This is a good place to start and stop in the text this morning for lots of different reasons. Because after this, it's going to be like getting hit by a car out on the R43. It's going to hurt for a couple of chapters. It's going to feel like it's killing you, and that's exactly what Paul wants to be happening. He wants to be putting your old self that is dependent upon finding your righteousness in yourself, in your actions, to death. He wants with the Word of God to slay you and with the Word of God to raise you back up to new life in Christ. This letter is written to a church that has been confused. We'll read next week. Paul says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting Him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. As a father, Paul is disappointed in what's happening in the churches in Galatia. They are confused. They have lost their center. They have lost the good news of the gospel. And they are instead turning to 
the old ways. They're turning back to the law. They're turning back to their own actions to save them and to bring them righteousness before God. And Paul is going to sometimes gently and sometimes not so gently guide them out of this. Here's our big idea for today though. Paul is greeting, yes, it's a pun. We read the greeting this morning. Paul is greeting the problems of Galatia head on with good news. Paul is greeting the problem problems in Galatia head on with good news. There are a couple things you need to know about this letter. This is most likely Paul's first letter that he is writing. Uh, we don't have an exact date on it. Somewhere between the year 48 A.D. and 50 A.D. Um, what this means is that it's very early on still in the life of the church. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm still a younger man. And so I hear a number that is 20 years after the death of Christ, 30 years after the death of Christ, and I think, oh my goodness, that's forever. It's forever. <laughs> um, I feel like I've been alive forever. And yet, realistically, how many years out are we from Christ's death? 1800 and some, right? Okay, so what we're dealing with here is a very short period of time after the death of Christ and the establishment of the church at Pentecost. So this is a very early letter in the New Testament. One time I got to go and preach at a church. It was in the middle of nowhere. Literally, it was an old coal mining town and the place that I come from. And um, the church building was 150 years old, which for America is super old. Okay, And the congregation was all about 150 years old as well. And, <laughs> and I loved it. I loved it. The door hinges were beautiful. Everything on this building was beautiful. It was one of the first Baptist churches in the area. And I suddenly felt extremely small sitting in this. Now, granted, it was a tiny church building. The doorways, no joke, the doorways were about this wide and about this high. You had to go like this to get through all the doorways in the church. But all of a sudden I realized, oh, I'm very young. My, my faith is very young. This letter that Paul is writing is in less time than that after the death of Jesus, okay? Which tells us a couple things about these churches in Galatia. It sounds as though Paul preached the gospel to these people. So early on in Paul's ministry, after getting saved and being called as an apostle and going out on mission, and in even an even shorter amount of time, they have turned away from something that he worked diligently teach to them. So this is serious, and Paul is going to be quite serious about it. As we go through the letter, um, we're going to break up the letter into three sections. Okay, so three sections. Uh, the first of which is going to be the history. So chapters 1 and 2, there's a history that's involved here. And involved in this history we're going to see is the gospel and biblical history. Uh, we're also going to see involved in this history is Paul's call into ministry and to be an apostle. 
So we're going to we're going to see, and that'll be two weeks from now. We're going to see what Paul's calling is actually like. Now we all know the story from the book of Acts. The children in the room could probably recite it better for us than any of us remember because they get to hear things like that all of the time. And yet we know that Paul's calling to ministry was very external. Okay, it came from outside of him. Paul was not sitting around and he was not thinking holy thoughts as a Pharisee of Pharisees and thought to my, and thought to himself, you know what? I should become a Christian. And I think that I'm called to an apostolic ministry. No, this is not how Paul's calling into the Christian faith or to his ministry came to be. And as we read the New Testament, And as things age in the New Testament, we're going to see that that kind of external call on your life is, one, how God brings you to salvation. He doesn't just do it with you sitting in a room by yourself. He actually uses the Word of God preached to you by someone in your life, an instrument that God is playing, preaching the Word of God to you to save you. And then, for instance, if you are called into ministry somewhere, as Paul was. Paul is giving us a pattern, too, just in the same way that he did with Timothy and encourages Timothy with an external call upon his life. He's not saying to Timothy, Timothy, remember when you thought that you should be the guy that goes and takes care of these elders at a disobedient church? (laughs) No, that was not Timothy's call on his life. Paul said, you should be the guy to go and do this. So when we talk about calling, we're going to talk about calling in your life, too, as something that comes from outside of you, from another person, from the lips of another, hopefully someone who is also well acquainted with the Word of God on your behalf. Um, We're also going to see in that history how Paul was accepted by the other apostles and some conflict that arose because of it. So the history that we're talking about here is Paul's history, what led up to his interactions with the church of Galatia, and then also his history with the churches in Galatia. I did not put a map up on the screen today. A lot of Bibles have a map in the back. You can look at the region that is Galatia. You'll notice that Paul says to the church is multiple churches in Galatia. So it's a region it's spread out over an over a, a expanse of land, and there's multiple churches that are meeting there. Most likely, Paul was preaching to these multiple churches, or rather establishing multiple elders that could preach the gospel and sending them out to keep uh, uh, to gather a group of Christians with them. Okay, section number two in Galatians, chapters three and four, is going to be the theology of the book. And I'll warn you right now, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult because we can't just focus on one verse at a time in chapters 3 and 4. In chapters 1 and 2, we're going to go a little bit slower. Chapters 5 and 6, we'll go a little bit slower. But chapters 3 and 4, Paul is making a hard, uh, not hard to understand actually, but there's a lot of words that are being used. And there's different pieces to his argument. So you are going to have to work hard to listen well 
so that you can understand his argument that I think that Paul makes very clear. And then lastly, we'll be looking at, I didn't have a better word for this, so the ethics. It's the Christian life in the book of Galatians and and really how the Spirit is growing us, growing fruit in us, working in us, convicting us, and, and strengthening the church. So Paul goes from the history that I've had with you, the, the, the good news that I preach to you, to all of the theology and thought behind this good news, and then finally to how this should be playing out in the life of the churches in Galatia instead of what's currently happening there. But this morning, we just want to focus on this greeting. So Paul's greeting, greeting the problems head on. Paul, an apostle. Now, this is very typical of Paul to start off a letter to, to let people know that he is the apostle. Who is Paul? Okay, it's not some other Paul that anyone should be questioning. But, here's the thing with Paul's letter to the, to the churches at Galatia. The whole thing is an argument. The whole thing is trying to push home a point. So, here, Paul is not just saying, okay, you know me, I'm Paul. He's saying, Paul, an apostle. In case you were confused about what my identity was, here it is again, you know very well who I am. We'll see two weeks from now why he's being so strong about it, but there are questions being raised about, who is this Paul guy? Right? Because we've got lots of people coming from James... Okay, maybe from James. We've got a lot of people coming to us, teaching us, saying that they've been taught by Peter and by John and by James. And there's more apostles on our team than there are on Paul's team. Paul's only one man. And Paul wants to make very clear who he is. Paul, an apostle. And don't misunderstand I'm not sent from Peter, James, or John. I'm not sent from man. And I'm not coming through any weird teachings of man. Like you are. That's the opponents. The people that Paul's coming up against at Galatia. But through Jesus Christ and God the Father. So who's Paul coming by? Not from the church in Jerusalem. He's not coming from Peter. He's not coming from John. He's not coming from any of the other apostles. He's not coming from any other teacher. He is coming from Jesus with a word to this church. Now that is an extraordinarily bold claim. That is an extraordinarily bold claim because you know Paul's backstory. Paul walking down the road, blinding light comes, Jesus speaks to him, what does Paul say? I think we read it two weeks ago, actually. As one untimely born, I'm the la- I was the least of the apostles, the last of the apostles to come around, Paul says of himself. And here we, we see where this is now causing conflict because all the other apostles learn directly from Jesus. And Paul's just commenting, I learned directly from Jesus. I saw him on the road. He spoke to me. He called me. And then I went out 
well, we'll get to this argument later, but he went out to the desert and learned from Jesus through the Spirit directly for three years. So these are bold claims that Paul is making, and yet he needs it to be known. Through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Now, we like to focus on the Trinity here as a church, right? We sang a song this morning that featured the Trinity. We'll sing a song at the end, I believe, that features the Trinity. Uh, the Trinity. Uh, what's Paul doing here? Because all he does is mention Jesus and the Father. Where's the Spirit at in this? We need some Holy Spirit. Come on! So where is the Spirit? Well, actually, Paul is going to get to the Holy Spirit. He's going to get to the Holy Spirit in chapters 5 and 6. Spirit's going to make a couple of quick appearances here and there. But there's a couple of good reasons why Paul's not mentioning the Spirit here. First and foremost is a simple theological reason. Uh, Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit points to Christ and His work for us. Um, The Holy Spirit never points back to itself. The Holy Spirit never says, hey, look at me. The Holy Spirit is always saying, hey, look at Christ. But specifically, what Paul is talking about here is a couple things. The teaching that he's going to give, the authority that he has that he's teaching from, and then lastly, who it is that actually called him. God Himself did it through Jesus Christ. And then at the end of verse 2, Paul says this, and or at the, verse 2, Paul says this, and all the brothers who are with me. So this letter is from me and all the brothers who are with me. Uh, it's a little bit of a, of a backhanded way of saying, look, I'm not alone in this. Okay, <laughs> These false teachers, what we will later call Judaizers here in the text, these Judaizers, Paul even goes so far to say at the end of this letter, those people that are trying to steal your foreskins, um, those people say that they have all these people on their side. Look, I've got a whole group of brothers here with me that know the truth. You guys knew the truth. You've forgotten it and you've turned away from it. Verse 3, grace and pe- Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So once again, he's talking about two members of the Godhead, not all three. Don't, don't let your, uh, your Holy Spirit alarm go off quite yet for Paul. Um, I know that this is often a challenge brought against a church like ours. Well, you guys don't really talk about the Spirit enough, right? I mean, this is a common charge. We hear this kind of thing all the time. Um, and also we see the same pattern in Scripture, actually. Um, that, that the Spirit is never pointing back to itself, but rather is always pointing to Christ. And, and it's no different for Paul in his writing to the Galatians here. One thing I want to take note of here in this grace to you and peace from God. We could read this and we could say, oh, well, that's nice. Uh, it's like walking by someone and someone says, oh, blessings, have a great day. Oh, great, I'm glad that Paul's being such a friendly person. (laughs) Okay, we could read it like that. But more so than that, this goes right along with what what I mentioned earlier this morning in God's Word being effective. 
When Paul writes grace to you and peace from God, Paul is actually declaring something that he is saying is missing from the churches in Galatia. This is all part of Paul's argument here. The argument is that people are falling back and resting in the law. Paul is saying there is no grace to you in the law. There is no peace from God to you in the law. But Paul is saying from Jesus now, not from your works of righteousness, but from Jesus, grace to you and peace. He's declaring grace and peace down upon them. He's saying if you want to know how to find grace and peace, I'm about to give it to you in this letter. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's a, a shortened version of the gospel from Paul. Who gave himself for our sins to do what? To deliver us from the evil, from the present evil age. Why would he do it? According to the will of God, our of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. These words of grace and peace to you, even here, sitting this morning, hearing this letter read to you, are effective words to you also. I keep using this word effective. What does it mean? It means it has an effect on you. It does something to you. Which sounds a bit strange, Wade, because they're just words. How in the world would the churches in Galatia and how in the world should I, receiving these words this morning, take this as some sort of comfort? Well, here's why. And Paul says it very clearly. Because this is coming from Jesus Christ and the work that He did for them to save them out of this present evil age. I want the whole time that we're reading this book together for you to be reminded about the circumstances that the Galatians are in. And I also want you to be looking at your circumstances and the circumstances of the world around you. Paul isn't just randomly writing a letter. Okay, I'll say it like this. Uh, when was the last time you sent a WhatsApp message? This morning? Okay. How hard was it? Not that hard. You could go back. You could delete some words. Frankly, when we're sending messages to each other, words have very little meaning. Words lose meaning in our world today. I mean, it's difficult enough with so many different languages and dialects of different languages being spoken. Where do we find the meaning in words? When was the last time you sat down and wrote a long-form letter with your hand to someone? That is hard work. I'm exhausted after a single page of letter writing to someone. Paul does not waste ink here. He is writing what he means and he's meaning what he writes. Paul's not just randomly saying, well... Christians in Galatia, I know that the world's bad out there. 
Paul is saying, the place that you find yourself, church, where you are being told that, okay, fine, you've been saved by Jesus, but now adhere to this law, or else how are you really supposed to know if you're a Christian? Look, if you don't fully become a Jew, how are you even supposed to know if you're a Christian? Paul is saying this is the evil age that we are living in. When someone would teach and preach something that's going against what Christ has done for you on the cross, that right there is exactly what God the Father willed for Jesus and for you. He willed. That is, it was a part of His plan that Christ would die for you and save you from a false teaching that says you can and must save yourselves. Paul is writing this letter just as Christ um, delivered people from this present evil age. He's writing this letter to let them know that they have been delivered from this present evil age. That they can rest in and that they can rely upon Christ and only Christ for their salvation. Until next time, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you all.